Did you know that 89% of award-winning ad campaigns fall into just six categories of thinking? And now the ad nerds at AdHouse Advertising School have taken that thinking and turned it into a deck of cards. AdHouse of Cards is a deck of 35 cards designed to help you come up with big ideas. Each card includes a prompt, a proven technique used by award-winning ad pros to jumpstart your thinking and improve your campaigns. Visual thinkers can use the backs of the cards to free associate using gorgeous photography from the artists at Unsplash.com. AdHouse of Cards will teach you to hone in on the benefit, dramatize it, romanticize it, look at it sideways, and twist it into a pretzel. And the best part is that all of the proceeds go to the AdHouse Scholarship Program, supporting our mission to make the advertising industry more inclusive. AdHouse of Cards, a deck for ad nerds. Get yours today for just 20 bucks at AdHouseNYC.com. Hello, ad nerds. Welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman, freelance creative and co-dean at Ad House Advertising School. Today, you're going to hear my conversation with Hannes Chiati, former founder of John X. Hannes and current founder and chief creative officer of Alto New York, a creative company for courageous brands. Hannes has made some iconic work over his career. He made Misty Copeland go viral for Under Armour. He helped John Malkovich start a menswear line with Squarespace. Remember that? And he dropped the world's first expensable music video for Expensify with two chains. But Hannes' story begins in a little town in a tiny village in northern Italy. From there, he would make his way to Germany, then Australia, and finally New York, where he and his partner, John McElvey, would be hired by none other than David Droga before going out on their own to start John X. Hannes. This is an epic story that goes from the Dolomites to Droga 5, and there's plenty to learn along the way. So without further ado, here's my talk with Hannes Chiati. Welcome, Hannes. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited and honored to be on your show. I listen to your podcast while driving and running and biking the last few weeks and i really enjoyed it oh that's great that's great um it's been such a pleasure for me to be able to meet all of my heroes and you know talk to some friends that i've had for a long time and and just kind of go down memory lane with everybody which is which is kind of interesting we're we're kind of gathering a um a treasure trove of uh of origin stories yeah this is uh in the future maybe somebody will make a snyder cut <laughs> of uh, all all of you guys going in slow motion that's funny um, yeah i really enjoyed like you banto with eric silver and ari and you know nick law you guys seem to be all good friends yeah nick law was right before he went to apple which is interesting uh i haven't listened to that one since i did it uh that was uh i remember we're standing outside of uh I used to record it at uh, Demasimo Goldstein, standing outside the agency, you know, walking him to the subway. And uh, he was like, yeah, the agency industry seems like it's going away. And I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he disappeared to Apple and, and, uh, and I'm like, OK, I get it now. 
Um, probably thought Apple is gonna all buy us and we're done. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe they will. Yeah. I'm I'm for sale, Apple. Yeah. I, if you want to buy I'll me, take some of those um, trillions. That's right. <laughs> uh, so let's go. Let's go into your origin story, uh, Hannes. Where Where did you grow up? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm originally from Italy. I grew up in a small town in northern Italy in the Italian Alps, in the Dolomites. Um, I'm one of three children, the oldest, with two younger sisters. Uh, the region where I'm wow. from is called Alto Adige. It's right on the border to Switzerland and Austria. Um, wow. Look, looking back, it's like I just realize and appreciate how beautiful it is there. You know, it's, it's such a stunning landscape yeah. with the Dolomites as a backdrop. And it's also a very... So this is... This is like the Sound of Music area, right? This is like when you, very when you, close, when you watch... yeah, to, to Salzburg, okay. yeah, which is like a two okay, two hour drive, Salzburg. yeah, in, in Austria. Okay. But it has a similar feeling to like Tyrol and, and yeah. things like that. But it's also a very unique place in Europe because it's a melting pot between the Italian and German cultures and languages. So we speak yeah. actually three languages in that region: it's Italian and German, and then there's even an old Latin one. And uh, it, it's quite incredible, like how those three cultures live together. And it also leads to amazing food and wine and, and just a very diverse, you know, kitchen. And, and growing up, did you, were you, did you know that like advertising was a thing? Did you, did you, like, what did you want to be when you were a, a, a young boy? Um, like so many boys in Italy, I wanted to be a professional football player. But yes. <laughs> that didn't work out, so I need another plan. Like I, I got to like <laughs> a semi-pro level in Italy when I was seventeen. Oh, you did? Yeah, but then you know, a lot of people probably realized that. But I had all these kids that were competing against me that were like running twice as fast as me and jumping higher than yeah. me, even though I'm six foot five. And <laughs> I was thinking I probably need a plan B here. Yeah, but um. I, I think, um, you know, design and advertising always interests me. My, my, my dad, um, my dad was a technical designer and I had access to drawings and computers and the internet from the age of 12, 13, which in these days is very late, I guess, but in the nineties in a small town, Italy was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, my uncle was a big film buff. So maybe that was a big influence on me also from, you know, a movie perspective i had access to all the movies in the world in the glory days of vhs and i still draw what kind of movies did your uncle uh turn you on to well it it, it went from like <clears throat> bellini's eight and a half to rocky so it was a broad spectrum yeah <laughs> which i appreciate still to these days you know i, I love watching wedding crushes and i like watching you know an old french movie i, I like the diversity of in, yeah and i see that in in your work that you know it's it can go from the epic to the silly uh which which is kind of cool yeah i i like different tones i i like not being stuck in one tone and being in that and i think it always for me depends also on the idea where you want to go with it or not on the client we do a lot of you know tonal exploration with them in how they feel about the mm -hmm. work and what kind of work resonates with them and for the brand. So yeah, I, I like that. And it, 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 
it brings your brain into different places, but it also allows you to work with very different people at very different times, which I like as well. Yeah. So when it came time to sort of choose, what's it like in, in uh, Italy? I don't know what it's like in, in there. Here, it's like, you know, when, when it comes time to, you know, pick a, pick a college or a university, you sort of have to start thinking about uh, what you want to major in. What, when did you have to start sort of like picking your path and not? Yeah. Um, so I went like in my school days, like I always liked art and drawing, like even when I was a little kid. And uh, we, we had a beautiful time as kids also in Italy. Like um, in, we have three months of summer holidays. So I spent yeah. that time, which is incredible. I think thinking back that you can just turn off three months from school. Yeah. So I spent that time yeah. with my grandparents and my cousins in, in a mountain lodge up 7,000 feet. And we had no TV, no electricity, just cold showers and no streets and cars. And yeah. just playing within nature and doing that and, you know, uh, having, you know, books and drawings around me that place still really inspires me and those memories still today. And then as you were saying, like later on, when you, you finish, you know, your first years of school, you then choose a path. And I went to design school and it was the, the heydays of Benetton and Oliveira Toscani and the shock advertising, yeah. making Benetton like one of the most well-known brands in the world. And it, it, it was just there to, shock people for a fashion brand yeah. it was just like whoa <laughs> with no particular statement often and that for very comparable boring colorful sweaters you know when you go into a benetton store <laughs> and you see the advertising yeah. it feels a little schizophrenic but i found that fascinating you know like how yeah. a brand can tell a story and the product is often different to that yeah and uh it it also was like a little bit growing up in between cultures, you know, we were exposed to Italian and German and Swiss and Austrian TV and radio. And yeah. often watching German TV as a kid, we saw the products advertised, but they weren't available to us. And then later, when you travel to Munich, which is three hour drive from us, like we, mm -hmm. we suddenly like got exposed to McDonald's. We had no McDonald's in our region at the time. And oh, wow. when you then finally got to taste a McDonald's burger and you looked at it, uh, it was very different to the ad I found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny how that works. Huh? Yeah. And so, uh, like, uh, so you had built it up in your mind of like, oh, this is going to be the best burger I've ever had. And then, and, yeah, in, in a and culture where we don't eat you know, burgers a lot, you know, it's, it's more right. Italian traditional food and, and some like Austrian and, you know, German yeah. food, but burgers were not really a thing. So we were also excited, you know, America and burgers and fries yeah. and all this kind of thing. But yeah, it, it, yeah. it, it tastes slightly different. And again, I found that so fascinating that everything can look so much better when filmed, photographed, edited right. Uh, mm. It's, it's just, Great storytelling, like, was a thing that I found I want to be part of. Like, you know, toothpaste never looks as good on your own brush. Did you know that advertising was going to be something that you did, or were you more, uh, oh, I'll be a, I'll be a graphic designer? At the beginning, uh, in Italy, I did uh, mostly graphic design, and you know, I made logos mm -hmm. for people and did brochures and things like that. 
but then I wanted to you know push myself into new things and I love this idea of brand storytelling and how much we mm-hmm. can influence how we connect to a product and service how we feel wearing or using it and that mm-hmm. drove me then from design into advertising and from Italy to Germany where Munich or? yeah I ended up in Munich um, my aim was always to work with the best there was no clear path mm-hmm. but i always admired certain people and i want to learn from them for different reasons and mm-hmm. so i just took my book that was at that time mostly design and knocked on every door in uh, a munich's agency and there was one in particular that i wanted to work for which was cdb in munich they had okay. uh, really big clients mcdonald's and sky tv and yeah uh, I think I, I harassed them enough that I got in at the end. Yeah. And you were working on, were you working on McDonald's at that point? I was working a little bit on McDonald's. I was working on uh, Sky TV a lot. And then I did a little bit of VW and things like that. So big German brands. And I yeah. learned a lot about rules. And I still think, you know, you need to learn the rules to be able to break them. And Germany yeah. has plenty of them. I, I think... A lot what I learned at the time, because there was so much print advertising and out-of-home advertising and also film, is just, you know, the craft of art directing and writing and doing different formats. There was a huge studio. There were tons of retouches. You can imagine for McDonald's and, and car advertising and, and Sky TV. And so uh, I really learned how to craft each element the best way and, and really put work behind that and i i think mm. that was a great experience for me as as an art director because i had some amazing people in front of me and very talented people in front of me and it, it just gave me a sense of you know advertising is something that needs love and the right people coming together to to craft something amazing love 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 is the secret uh, the secret ingredient <laughs> yeah yeah it is um so so uh once you once you got a had you gotten some tv under your belt there and and yeah i got a, I got a bit the... tv and you know at that time editing was very different and the rooms looked very different than how you edited and colored and yeah, yeah so I, I got a bit of both worlds but at, at some stage like i felt a need to you know accelerate and break out into a global Mm. advertising world i found and i felt Mm. learning english was very important for that i had a bit of Mm. basic english in school but my english was not great uh and certainly not fluid and i like this notion of uh winters without snow and so uh we packed our stuff we packed our bags and moved to australia without ever having been there my my girlfriend oh, wow. and I, yeah so that was exciting and you know interesting and pushed me into a whole new market and and thinking had you so you didn't get a job before you went you just kind of no, picked up and no, left we just picked up and left and we didn't know anyone there and uh we just packed our things and went for an adventure the, and and your your girlfriend was like yeah let's do it yeah, she she was like she was excited, um, and yeah, she she wanted to do that as well. And you know, we we lived in a certain part of the world for a very long time, and it was just an, a new thing yeah. that we wanted to try. And 
Australia was also very easy to get in, to get a visa there. They had this and still have this work and holiday thing where you mm -hmm. can just travel for uh, six months and work for six months. So it was an easy way in. And yeah. the advertising market at that time was just very interesting. I thought they had lots of new media. There was free thinking mm -hmm. and experimenting. It was the days of Lynx Chat and Earth Hour and Virgin Five Cents and the Close Society. And the work was quite bold, you know, in, in many ways. It was a test market, I felt, for some international companies. And Australia also, I, you know, when I, when I started working there, at the beginning, it was not easy to get in again. You know, I didn't know many people. So I just went around, yeah. showed my book. Uh, point. And this is Sydney or Sydney? Or yeah, Sydney. We went okay. straight to Sydney. I, I do really like Melbourne as well, but you know, yeah. it's Sydney is very unique. It has like forty beaches and sun, and it's just such a stunning city. And uh, yeah, that that's where we wanted to be. And did you did you were you like definitely Australia, or was it like did you think like oh we should go maybe we should go to the United States? Or, we, we, or... we thought about that. We thought about Canada and the United States, and it it yeah. felt for me at that time strangely enough a bigger step. You know, it it yeah. felt a little bit more scary, like moving to New York or LA, and yeah. and I don't know, like for some reason Australia just felt like an adventure and if mm. it doesn't work out we're gonna have a great time and just travel around and and it worked out yeah <laughs> yeah and when you quit your job at ddb what were they like what are you doing what are you what are you crazy or there was or, a bit of dad and also like on my family side my auntie you have such a good job and like you know there's a bit of that yeah. thinking and you know a, a lot yeah. of my family they have their jobs for 20 and 30 years and they, they believe in yeah. like good jobs and yeah but at the end like everyone was really excited for us and they came to visit us many times and we, we spent time traveling around in australia and seeing amazing things so uh, yeah, it was a really incredible experience, even for for our families at the end, because they got to experience Australia. Yeah, seems like it worked out okay for you too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was. How long were you? Sorry, in Australia. Sorry, I'm... no, that, that's okay. Uh, we we were in Australia for five years as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, initially it was like let's try this for a year, and then it became another year, and another year, and another mm -hmm. year, and then. The question became, when are you coming back? But we just loved being there. It was such an open mindset yeah. and we had some really incredible friends and lots of people there that went there, you know, in the age of between 20 and 30, just to have years yeah. off and, and travel and work there. Yeah. I also really like this, um, you know, Australian it's in some ways an obsession to compete against the world. You know, there's a little bit of this. Mm living on the other end of the world and this tall puppy syndrome. And it, it gave me a taste of, you know, award shows and uh, competing at that level. And I got lucky to get in some of the best agencies there with Sarchis and the Monkeys and TBWA. And my work got internationally recognized at the highest level. And, you know, it, it was a, a cool time because it was just a different way of thinking. It opened my mind to free thinking. 
And what was the first, what was your first sort of uh, international award-winning campaign that you did that kind of broke you onto the scene? Yeah, we, we did a campaign for uh, the Sydney um, Dock Shelter, uh, Sydney Dock Home, and uh, mm-hmm. it was called Throw Us a Bone. And <laughs> uh, it, it was this thing that probably today feels very old technology, but we had this beautiful animation there and you could text to it and throw the dog a bone and it was a five dollar donation uh to to, to the to the shelter and the Mm -hmm. dog fetched it and it animated and it it was kind of cool it was actually really cool and it won a yellow pencil and that was probably like my first really big award at that time and it was for a good cause i really enjoyed like working for good things and yeah uh apart from the award it also good money for the dog shelter yeah it worked that's what i was gonna yeah, ask yeah it really it really worked, worked yeah. yeah that's that's the best part um and and dnad would be the uh the yellow pencil for for those of you uh wondering what a yellow pencil Correct. is um, sorry <laughs> one of the one of the top world uh you know um awards you can get because it's just so hard to get them yeah they're hard right? to get they they don't like <laughs> just giving them out no sometimes they don't give one for for a particular uh, uh category um so that's cool so then once you got that then i guess you know the world came calling is that is that how it worked yeah it it, it the world came calling and you know i had different writers at the time but at the end i worked with, with, with john at tbwa and we, mm-hmm. we just felt we wanted to. What's John's last name again? McKelvey. Yeah, John McKelvey, and um, and that was in Sydney TBWA. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, I just felt you know we wanted to work at a bigger scale, and I always liked this idea of living in New York like once in my life and, and experiencing New York and doing that really big culturally relevant work that everyone remembers with the best talent in the world and directors and athletes. And that, that was the aim to get to New York and do that kind of work. And you guys sort of vibed off each other with that sort of in your mind of like, we, we got to go to New York and talking each other up and yeah, hyped each other up. Yeah. And yeah, that's good. That's important. You know, having that, having that person that you can just like talk about crazy stuff with and, and, uh, having a partner that you, uh, that you, you know, have similar ambitions. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's crucial in advertising. Um, I find, you know, having a partner that you bounce idea off. I think only by diverse thinking and pushing each other, you get to new ideas and new thinking like this. Unfortunately, no other yeah. way. I haven't found that way of doing it myself. <laughs> Some people, yeah, can because do you it. get caught up. Yeah, but you get caught up in your own ego, and you start to believe your own bullshit. <laughs> and and it's nice to have somebody that can be like, "That sucks, dude." And you know, it's it's in a nice yeah. way. Um, but uh, you know, now that's been done, or that's a good idea. But eh, I don't know. Um, you know, it's good to have that that person to check you. Um, so you guys, uh, found each other at, at TBWA. Correct. Uh, 
And that was, was that the only agency you worked on, worked in it in Australia? No, I worked in a couple of other ones, uh, you know, I mean, Sisachi and the monkeys, and, oh, right. you know, the diff- different agencies are freelance at the beginning a lot. And then I worked full time and then I went back to freelance. I, I did like meeting different people and doing different things and exploring things. Yeah. And, you know, um, when it felt kind of like I've done this, seen this, then I like to move on and, and see new things and work with different people. And uh, where does that come from? That, that sort of, uh, that spirit of like, ah, this, I've seen this before, so I'm going to go off and do this other thing. Where do you, it, where do you think it, you get that? From? It's an interesting question. Uh, I probably have a certain, you know, like I'm a little bit restless in certain things and I want to try new things mm-hmm. and I want to push myself and find new goals. I, I think, you know, when you don't have that as a creative person, it becomes a little boring after a while. And mm. you need to push yourself into a zone where you're uncomfortable at certain times I yeah. think, to get to new grounds, to do new things. I found mm-hmm. the best work was always scary. And it was always like, you know, oh my God, this is never going to work. We're going to fail thing. And then yeah. it worked. So I, I think that's the only way to, to push yourself in this zone where you try new things. Yeah. So what gave you guys the impetus to finally say, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go to New York. Is that where you end up going? Yeah, to New York. Um, it was just, it was time. I thought, you know, after five years in, in Sydney, it was kind of like mm-hmm. that moment where oh, I'm all going to stay in Sydney and buy a house and have a family and, two labradors and five kids or yeah. <laughs> or i'm gonna try something <laughs> new and uh i think new york is also a particular place where you need to you know come in and have a liberty to just do things and try things and not be bound mm-hmm. down so uh the window i felt was closing to do that to get in there because yeah. otherwise you were gonna you were gonna stay yeah um so so you went uh was did you guys get get a job somewhere first or did you go freelance what was the yeah how was so that? um i remember when i was the first time at the con lines in 2009 it was the first time i heard david droga speak at a keynote and i thought mm. man i want to work for, for this guy one day like he had just a passion for our industry and the sky's the limit yeah. when you have great ideas and there's always someone was willing to pay for this it's just the best job in the world kind of thinking and it really resonated with me at the time so the mm. goal was to work for that guy and so you found a person that you wanted to work for yeah. in david droga and you were like i'm gonna and this is did you go to the south of france to to can to we to see yeah we went in 2012 when we left australia yeah. and we met a lot of people and uh we met people from droga as well and, and different agencies yeah and then it's the best way to just like immerse yourself yeah. in this business if you if you can swing it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even as a student i recommend just going even if you don't have a ticket to the show just go to can during that you know week that everybody's there yeah or even a weekend if you can like you know swing a ticket uh, once we all get, you know, vaccinated. Agree. Agree. Uh, because even if you fly to Paris and take the train down and, and travel around after and see Europe. Yeah. You're going to meet people that uh, are going to change your life. And it's, um, 
you know, and on a smaller scale, go to the, you know, local advertising, you know, festivals or whatever they are and just hang out, you know, you don't have to go to the show. You don't have to pay for any of that. You can just go to the after party and, and hang out and just talk to people. And, and so did you get to meet David Droga when you were, when you were there? Or? No, later in New York for me, we went actually to see Droga Five. And, you know, Droga at the time was a small shop of 70 people and they did this incredible work, like Puma After Hours yeah. Athlete and JC Dakota and yep. The Great Schlapp and Echo Air Force One. And it was just the place to be in. And I remember distinctly mm -hmm. sitting in David's office and seeing all, you know, this awards and Grand Prix and Black Pencil and the people that he met. And I was like, oh man, only the best will get into this place. And th th they liked us, but there was a, a sorry, we don't have any open hires for creative directors right now, but let's yeah. stay in touch and we, we speak later. So it wasn't, your work is not good enough, unfortunately, but it was mm. more uh, not at the moment we're full. Yeah. And did you guys feel like that was a fail? Were you like, did you walk away from that thinking, oh God, we it, came all this way. It's over. <laughs> it wasn't a fail, but it was definitely, you know, like you saw the place in Soho and it wasn't like yeah. shiny offices anyway, but you could just really feel the vibe. There was tons of young people from all over the world and it, it was just cool. And you want to be part of it and uh, part yeah. of that group but we, we got a good offer from rga at the same time uh -huh. and i uh, really and nick law was there at the yeah time, nick law right? was, was there nick at the law's time RGA. yeah yeah and uh, we met nick law also before in Cannes, and i, I really appreciated uh, rga at the time and they did some really big platform thinking for for nike the fuel band just came out and yeah and it, it, it was a cool place, but for me, in hindsight, it was just a little bit too much of systematic thinking and digital platforms and UX, yeah. UI strategy. And this work that we admired from Droga wasn't there as much. And it was a slightly different place to, uh, you know, yeah. other agencies like Widens that we want to work for. And then after three months, like we got the call actually from David and we took a big pay cut and we ran out the door, literally ran out the door and uh, went to yeah. the <laughs> So, so you, you take the job at RGA and then three months later you, you leave to go to Droga. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't, was that, it wasn't the was best that a thing. Burning bridges sort of a thing. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we made up, but it, it wasn't a okay. classy thing to do. But it was just, yeah. man, it was the dream for to work for this thing. And the window is open. And it might be the only time that that window is open. So we, yeah. we, we took the chance and, and jumped. Yeah. And uh, what was that like? What was it like working at, at Droga 5 in the heyday? It was incredibly exhilarating you know like there are global superstars there and you it opened the door to the best directors and musicians and creatives and being there in the midst of soho and we really yeah. had access to david we worked directly with him uh it was just a really cool time to to be at Droga yeah. and and see it at that time 
you never knew when what, you, what is yeah, uh, sorry you go sorry go ahead no you never knew what oh you never knew when you actually got fired <laughs> or, or you, oh, right. you you get the well done but now do it again on this client it was just a lot of pressure and all the work and doing it to a really high standard you know doing the yeah, best work. there's no like oh you're good don't worry yeah. about it we'll get it next time <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was very very cutthroat um what what is it about david drogo what what's his thing what 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 makes him uh i'd love to have him on to ask him that myself you but, should uh, you what, should. what uh what, what is it uh what is it about him well it was just really cool to work directly with him you know like a few years earlier i saw him on a stage and i thought i want to work for this guy but he he's he's just when you go and work with him he has a a few things that i still admire to this day he's always present he recognizes a good idea immediately and what to push and how to spin it and make it bigger than you ever imagined and what i found fascinating as well and he saw all the work at the time and probably still does mm -hmm. knowing him like he, he, mm -hmm. he kept such a tight schedule. Like he kept to this 30 minutes, you were in and out and you knew exactly your marching orders. And he was generally mm. always very positive about things and the work and, and mm. put positive energy behind it. And he was really good with clients and recognizing where the opportunities are and how to push boundaries. You know, you think of a creative genius or a creative person or like somebody that you see on stage at, at can and, and you go, I want to work for that guy. And you don't think of like, he keeps to a schedule as like the first thing that is the, but I could see how that, you know, when you do have that much stuff going on in your life and, and uh, we all sort of have to take, keep our own schedules these days, but um, to, to really regiment yourself to like, all right, I'm working on this now and I'm only going to work on this now um, is so such a, a superpower, I think. Uh, I, I think so too. I, I worked for a lot of amazing creatives and they became creative directors and they could focus on certain things and did them really well. But often the troops were standing still because they couldn't give them feedback. They were in other things. And when that happens, yeah. like your creative department just stands still for a couple of days when, when you don't get feedback. And especially in bigger agencies where, you know, there, there are lots of layers when that happens, like the work doesn't get out and the work doesn't progress. And I, I, I think like this putting energy behind and letting people know where to move forward is, is really a superpower. Yeah. And what do you, what advice do you have for maybe young people that ha are in that position where, you know, they don't get feedback because the creative director is, you know, uh, focused on other things or, or too busy or, uh, and they want to like, they are standing still. What, what can they do to, I, I think stress test your work, show it to other people in the meantime, also trust, not just mm. your creative directors. I think often strategists and the account person and everyone around you can give you also a good stress test of where the work can go. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I think also be selective yourself often, you know, be you know, generally critical about your work and don't present like a, a thousand things, but like whittle it down. So it becomes often easier also for the creative director to, to see the work. If you think yourself yeah. about what could be the best idea and what are the nuggets. 
Right. Yeah. And if you think about the way that, you know, you're helping the creative director to solve the problem for the client. So like thinking about it from his or her perspective and being like, well, what might they need? Um, and, you know, keep pushing while you wait. Yeah, I feel the worst um, thing is just being protective about your ideas and just keep them to yourself and don't show them to anyone. And you know, right. it, it it might work sometimes, but the only way to put energy behind an idea and, and often ideas are fragile and people don't give you as good feedback, but the only mm -hmm. way to get to good work is to put energy behind it and have lots of people, you know, help you to make it the best it can be. So you're at, uh, you're at Droga five and you're, what are you working on at that point? We, um, like got to Under Armour pretty quickly. Um, hmm. that came right in, uh, like after six months when we were there and we became creative directors on Under Armour. And that was just the opportunity we were waiting for, you know, this is really, influential cultural work and um under arm at that time was just growing so rapidly you know it uh came out of this testosterone fueled image of of college football and in in many ways failed to connect and also with athletic females and compete against the mm. little lemons and nikes of the world and mm. They were hungry. They had a huge goal to grow to the women's business to a billion dollars. And they thought they needed help with that and couldn't do that internally. And so they came to Droga 5 with that. And uh, that was our first big opportunity where we created our What I Want. You know, that was celebrating women who defy expectation and ignore this noise of outside judgment. And was designed to uh, see a new Under Armour at that time. Yeah, because Under Armour at the time was very utilitarian, like it's used by, you know, it was sort of football, right? It was like a American football sort of brand. Yeah, right? um, Kevin Plank, the founder, um, he went to Maryland University and uh, he uh, played college football there and he created this mm -hmm. undershirt where uh, Under Armour comes from. And it mm -hmm. was very utilitarian to your point, but it was also, you know, this really macho kind of like football guys, like, you know, punching mm -hmm. weights and screaming into camera and protect his house. And that was kind of, <laughs> how, how how they grew big and really fast and it uh, yeah. resonated with a certain part of uh, athletes really hardcore yeah. athletes but you know in in 2011 2012 suddenly athletic wear became fashionable you went shopping and then you went to yoga class and all those kind of things yeah. and lululemon really saw a market very early on and, and grew in that and they wanted a share within that. And for that, mm. they needed new symbols of aspiration for, for female athletes. And that's when we got, you know, to what I want, when we thought about Misty Copeland, just an amazing ballerina that got told mm. she couldn't be a ballet dancer just because of her body shape and then became the first African-American ballerina soloist at the American Ballet Theater. And in spite mm -hmm. of the countless rejections letters that Misty got as a young girl, 
she just pursued her passion and persevered. And we made a beautiful film about that. And Misty exploded. Like it was at a time where viral still was a thing. And what was what was the thing? Viral videos. Okay. Yeah, like today's uh, today, you know, when you put something out on YouTube, you in a way you, you need to put money behind it for the search engine yeah. to work. And at that time yeah. it still was possible. And like when we launched that film, like every day you clicked on it, there was another million views. And Misty and her wow. story went everywhere. I went to Good Morning America and the New York Times and and it wasn't just us, the story was there, but we helped accelerating it. And less than 12 months, Misty Copeland catapulted at the time from a New York City ballet star to being on the cover of Time magazine and being the most influential people in the world uh, issue. Yeah. So that was that's pretty cool. That was really cool to see. And then on top of that, we and I think that's still one of the most beautiful recognitions I got in my career. Uh, we got an award from the United Nations for positive empowerment of women with the tech campaign. Oh, wow. So that was uh, like, not to say anything negative about advertising awards, they're great, but to being right. recognized by something outside our industry, by something like the United Nations and doing something positive for yeah. young girls and seeing themselves and what they can do and what they can become with Misty. It was just incredible to watch. Yeah. And it's, it's like a, a testament to what advertising and, and the general crafting of, you know, culture through art can do um, to bring a positive message to, to people all over. Um, so, so uh, how do you, how do you leave Droga five? What's, what's, I always found it very hard to leave places that I that I loved. Um, what was the impetus for for going? Yeah, um, it, it was hard, and it wasn't just you know an overnight decisions. But Droga grew really fast and big at that time. Like in those three yeah. years, three and a half years, we were there, we went from eighty people to six hundred and fifty people. Just, oh wow! So it becomes a very different agency at, at some point. It becomes a right. a different agency. Yeah, it's still the same spirit. But mm -hmm. with moving and scaling so fast, it became a different agency and we moved from Soho to, to Wall Street. And yeah. I remember still like seeing this, this tour groups of new hires walking around the office, like, you know, on Times Square tourists. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. we're hiring like 40 people this week and 50 next a week. A platoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, we we grew really fast and the clients became a little more challenging, especially as a senior person there became yeah. more, uh, uh, you know, international clients. And there was also a lot more meetings uh, and for me, not enough time on work and often not enough creatives. Yeah. And you had meetings all day and at night you started them working. And we felt at the time a need to go back to the work, what we love doing and, and a feeling of building maybe something that, that could do that. Uh, we didn't know exactly what that could be, but uh, we, we mm -hmm. want to try something new and, and see mm -hmm. where that takes us. And you started, uh, how do you pronounce, is it Jan and Hannes or is it Jan X Hannes? Uh, John, John X Hannes, yeah. 
John X. Hannes. Yeah, sorry, I always said Jan. I don't know why oh, I said it, Jan like, because Hannes is so. Yeah, it. it, it I think people it, get uh, confused also with Johannes Leonardo. Oh yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, you probably did get a few calls from people saying, "Oh, we love your work," <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're like, "Yeah, that was not." Um, yeah, Brian Yasko, who is uh, the managing director over at Johannes Leonardo, he always says, "Oh, I'm so thankful for your work because we got a lot of calls." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works the other way around yeah. too, and it works for us as well. Some people thought we did some yeah. incredible Adidas work. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this guy's ever. Yeah. Uh, so, so how did you start that? You just said to each other, let's, let's go get it. Did you have a client? Did you, uh, um, we, we didn't have a client. We just, we knew we wanted to do great work and it was like, well, let's do it. Worst thing we could do is like with our books do freelance work and, you know, see, yeah. see what's out there. But we know we want. Is that how it started? Did it start as freelance? Yeah, we, we did Your a freelance team. We, we, we took on a couple of projects, but then pretty quickly we, we found our own clients and we, we knew mm. what we wanted at the time. You know, we, we want to do great mm. work again and do culturally relevant big work and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. win a couple of awards. But we also mostly knew what we didn't want to do. It's, you know, play politics and too many meetings and stakeholders and. Mm. We, we want to be very selective about the work and not have big overheads, which makes it hard to be selective, you know, like when you have to keep the lights yeah. on. So yeah. the, the focus was on each piece of work and make it the best it could be without distraction and working with the best people in the world and really having this access to what I still think is so fascinating, amazing network of new york and and the us and often in big agencies yeah. you, you get to a point you pick who's around and not who's best for the job right and when you stay small and nimble you can bring in the right people at the right time when you plan it in the best way yeah and and now you're you're alto uh and you're still doing things the same the same way correct yeah yeah it's um we, we are still very selective about the, the clients we, we take on and the brands we want to work with. And that comes mm -hmm. not from any arrogance or anything like that. It's just our decision to wanting to make great work and important work. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we partner with companies, you know, at pivotal moments in the history. And often that is tech brands, you know, who go from being a product to wanting to be a great brand. Right. Um, we we are fans of brands with a strong belief and a strong mission, and we also like companies that you know are, are good or for people, good for the planet. Uh, ideally, they're both. But uh, we we really admire those brands and want to team up with them. What we also learned when you are a smaller agency, um. We, we want to work directly with the decision makers. I think when you have a lot of layers on the client side, you need also a lot of layers on your side. So we, yeah. we want to take those layers out. And, you know, before the pandemic, we, we went to do sessions with Expensify or Beats by Dre, where we embedded ourselves into the office and work with them directly for a week and, mm. and really jammed and ideas to get to really great work. 
which in, yeah. in bigger agencies might be possible, but it's not as easy, you know, it's because there's so much other stuff on, especially when you go to higher level being ECD and CCO, they will see so much yeah. work. So we still, uh, you know, like that in really focusing on the work and doing each piece of work really well. Mm. Do you think that that's the, that's going to be the trend going forward? Like there's, there's the, you know, Droga fives that get bought up by, um, you know, uh, the, uh, consultancies. Accentures of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And the Accentures, but, um, and then there's these tiny places, uh, uh, like yourselves and, and, and others that are, are yeah you're right embedding themselves and becoming part of the process uh is that the future is that how it's going to be is it bifurcating like that or is it you know it's i think it's hard to say what the future of our industry is and i think there's always needs for different types of uh clients i think Mm -hmm. you know some Mm -hmm. some clients will always need uh the big agency structure and and the machine of a big agencies and then there's other clients that don't need that as much um we we certainly service clients in a very different way as well like often we work with squarespace like they at that time already had like a lot of in-house creatives and designers so we didn't need to to bring that you know um mm. And we just, you know, had great producers and creatives and and account people. So it was a smaller team. But then mm-hmm. when we did Expensify, they uh, had a, a marketing arm of three people. And they've never done an ad before, apart from one billboard in the Silicon Valley. We really needed yeah. to scale. And we uh, put 50 people around them because we needed everything. So this notion of us seeing each job in a different way and what the client needs and who is the best person on it and how can we get the best people on it we did a music video for expensify and we got snl um, emmy winning writers for that and grammy winning musicians to actually make something that is a hip-hop video not you know a agency creative type of wannabe right. hip-hop video and right. it became very yeah. legitimate that song you know it got 10 million views and it was on two chains vivo channel and fans loved the song and it's on spotify yeah. still and that was the only way i felt to do that and similar when we did corazon the movie and we did like months of research with with film yeah. writers we also then got hollywood writers in we got a pandor uh feature director with john hillcote who helped us yeah. shape that 48 minute film to be actually yeah. a film where we could bring in uh, and you know actors like Anna Di Armas and Damien Bashir, Academy Award nominee, because they trusted John, trusted the screenwriters. And I think that process of bringing the best to the table for the right project, mm. that's what I love really about our model and how we do it. How do how do you do that? Is that is it um, having sort of Hollywood connections, or is it like how do you, how do you how do you keep that moving? Uh, it, it's a really good question. So we we are a lean core team at the moment. You know, twenty mm-hmm. people, and um, yeah. we have some incredible producers and some amazing strategists. And Mad, our head of production, he comes in very early into the process and. 
He helps us shaping the product. And then we give ourselves enough time to talk to the right people. Like that right. craft process of going out and having time for yourself and then also for your partners yeah. and then giving them yeah. the space to do what they're good in and not sitting over their shoulder mm. because you hired them for a reason. Like that really built trust, I think, with, you know, Alto in them being able to do good work and that resonates with them. And because you kind of have to get to a, a big idea, right? Uh, like your say the the expensify uh, rap rap song, so you might did you get to the rap song idea, uh, and then go let's find people to really do it right. Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. we we presented. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. then it's the trust yeah. the trust level of like, well, is it going to be good? Well, we're going to get good people. So yeah. Well, what's it going to be like? We don't know yet because they have to write it because we can't write it for them because then they won't come on uh it's a catch-22 yeah it is a catch-22 and uh it, it takes a lot of uh you know meetings and the right people and doing the right decks and all those things that other agencies would do as well we we when we did expensified is like we presented this song and they're actually a really amazing company expensified they do this um you know away from uh their main headquarters going away uh things where they go to Italy or they go to Thailand and just take time off for the whole company for three weeks. So we went there to Italy with them and we presented that first uh, Expensify this song. And it was written by one of our creative directors. But yeah. then we we burned that thing. We never showed it to anyone. Uh, yeah. Because we didn't want to go to two chains and show him lyrics that right. you know a person wrote that had nothing to do with hip song. So we made a great deck and we pitched that thing to him and to his yeah. management. And with that, we then brought on also the SNL writers, Chris Red, who, who uh, you know, did a lot of amazing songs at that time for SNL. And mm -hmm. he started writing mm -hmm. the lyrics and they knew each other and they started texting each other two chains. He also brought in Andreas Nielsen, who had done before music videos, two chains and had his trust. So creating yeah. that right group of being able to do that led to actually doing a great song. And then we built technology within because it was the first expensive music video. We had all this uh, crazy stuff within, like a golden toilet and an ice sculpted Lamborghini. And you could use the Expensify app to expense every item for, you know, there was a total of, I think, half a million dollars in there. Where you, when you found the receipts and you know, hold the Expensify scanner on there, and it's really incredible technology that Expensify app. You actually could expense yeah. it and and win cash money for it. So there's like a game inside of the video. Yeah, it was um, uh, gamified uh, in a way, and yeah. it really got people going and wanting the, those big prizes. So you had to work on all of that. You had to have teams working on all of those pieces at the same time. Correct. Um, yeah, we had this really in. amazing tech company in Austria. I was working on the tech piece and getting all that right. We also worked very yeah. closely with Expensify to get that receipt scanner right. And uh, yeah, they had to create basically a new product for it as well. Like the product was really there, but they were worried about the Wi-Fi signal not always being there. 
So they hard coded yeah. it actually. So the new Expensify app would work without Wi Fi if a person was, you know, sitting somewhere and didn't have reception. Yeah. So they did that. So it, it was a whole dance for like seven months to, to get it there. And uh, there was a lot of stress and, you know, uh, tension, but everyone keep, kept their yeah. head and, and we got it done. Yeah, and then it, and it shows in that it's award winning, and it's it's uh, the the craft again that you talked about at the beginning that uh, go into every single piece, um, and I think that's really important. I, I love that you wrote the song, sort of sold the idea, and then burned it because yeah, I I always tell my teams when I'm working with teams that you know selling the script is just the first step. Um, getting a great director to do it, you might not want to give them the same presentation that you gave to the client because, you know, the client wanted to see certain things and this director, if it's somebody, you know, pretty, pretty good is going to want to feel like they're coming to it with, you know, and they can add things. Right? Yeah. You, um, you're so right, Tom. Like, I think the idea is a starting point. That deck can't be the same deck yeah. as the as the client deck. It's got to be like you got to write a whole new deck for this director now and say like, we love you because you're perfect for this because you know we love what you do with this and here's the idea. This is what we can play with. You know, it's it's a it's a dance that you have to do with both sides. Yes, and rightly so because you know. You're right. You hire these people because you admire their work and they're good in what they're doing. And so you, like yourself, want this, you know, this zone, this happy zone where you can craft it and make it and shape it with them. Mm. And I, I think that that's for me still like the most exciting part of our job to work with incredible yeah. talent and craft things and get to new stages and, and see new things and they show you things and you, yeah you know, send things over and they say, I hate it. And then you start again. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's that what makes our job so interesting. And that's what got me from a big agency to a smaller agency, because I love that stage of working with people, collaborating with people and, yeah. and uh, working with the best talent in the world so much. And, um, I see we're coming up on an hour here. So I just wanted to get like, if people want to collaborate with you or, you know, show you their work or just tell you that they'd love to work for you someday. <laughs> um, where, where, where do they uh, reach out? Uh, they, we, we have a, a job section on our website. It's mm -hmm. just send an email and uh, we talk. And it's at altony.co. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And A L T O N Y dot C O. Correct. Yeah. And there's a jobs at alto ny dot C O. But um, we, we love meeting new people. You know, it's, it's a little different for us because we work with a lot of senior people. And I think what's yeah. next for us, to your point, like what becomes out of this smaller agencies and how do we scale or do we not scale yeah. how we expand right. our business model in a way that can push our industry into new things? So yeah. for us, once we, you know, like we're still a relatively new company. We, we came out of John X Hannes and we're now one and a half years old yeah. and 
most people like worked with me at John X Hunters. Most of the team in New York, like 12, uh, 14, 12 of the 14 people, like actually stayed with me. But um, the, the idea of like, you know, being rooted in New York and finding diversity and different, you know, ways of thinking. And also the real notion of bringing a new generation uh, with creativity into advertising and giving opportunity for that is very real for us. Uh, we, yeah. We're trying to work with now different colleges and universities to bring new people in and give them internships yeah. and, and open the door for that and, and doing that in the right way. But I think we... we 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 need to establish ourselves in a certain way to be to allow people to succeed also within our model. That's at the moment yeah. I think what we're trying to do. And uh, I'm always open to to meet new people. Back in the day when we had our Brooklyn office, you know, we always had some coffee sessions in the morning or in the evening to meet new people and see their books. Like yeah. that, that's certainly a thing that I still love to do because you know it it shows you a different way of thinking. You know, it's yeah. You, you easily get old in our industry. I often find, <laughs> and uh, I would love to come come see your offices when we're all back to uh, to life. Yeah, I would love to do that and as well. say hello yeah, and anytime. And amazing work that you guys are doing for that. You know, helping new uh, kids in into you know in the world of advertising and the jobs that we like doing and inspire them through creativity. Yeah, it's so fun to uh to meet uh like you said they're they're as inspiring to us as we are to them and it's always it's always fun to see the new ways things go um and collaborate with them so uh yeah thanks for thanks for coming on uh hannes and and uh is there anything i i didn't ask you that i that i should have asked you no uh it was a really good chat uh and enjoyed talking to you i had uh, a nice coffee while we were talking oh excellent Felt like we were catching up in the good old days for oh coffee my god just talked about the industry <laughs> i can't wait till we can all do that again let's uh yeah but let's remember to to take the time and not uh, not be rushing everywhere I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna try to keep this uh this year in my mind as we go forward yeah uh, same here <laughs> thanks know. so much for the opportunity tom I yeah really man appreciate it have a great day you too. I'll speak to you soon. Hannes Chiati, my friends. There's something for everyone in that one. Whether you're just starting out or looking to start your own agency, you can check out all their work and reach out to Hannes at altony.co. That's A-L-T-O-N-Y.co. This has been The A-List, sponsored by Ad House Advertising School, where we've got new classes starting at the end of September. You get 10 weeks of classes with an ad pro for way less than the big ad schools charge. Uh, apply today at adhousenyc.com and we will get you in. All the classes are on Zoom, so you can take them from anywhere. Even the Dolomites, if you don't mind staying up a little late. I'm Tom Chrisman. You can find me at tomchrisman.net. Thanks for listening. Rate and subscribe. Thanks to Ross Hopman over at Duotone for the music and get vaccinated. Thank you.